0: Amen. Thank you guys so much. This is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Because y'all got an extra hour of sleep. Which the way we're going. I might just take that all back right now. (laughs) That means you're all refreshed and ready to look at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. We started in on it last week. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Father, as we take a few minutes to look into Your Word here now, I pray Your Holy Spirit to be here to just make it come alive to us again, Lord. It was this happened such a long time ago; it almost seemed irrelevant. But it's Your Word, and You mean to speak to us in our minds and our hearts. You mean to shape us with this Word, and so I invite You, Holy Spirit, to come and to do just that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week, uh, announced that Pastor Christian and I were announced, were uh, starting a five-week series called Search and Rescue. And the reason is, is because Jesus Christ is on a search and rescue mission for lost humanity. Am I right? Jesus Christ is on a search and rescue mission for lost humanity. Last week, we saw this from Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And it's Jesus speaking, telling us clearly why he came. Let's read it together, Church. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. There can be no doubt. Jesus himself said that he came to seek and to save what was lost. By extension, then, we are the body of Christ in the world today. So what are we doing here? Come on. What are we doing here? We are here to seek and to save the lost. Now, we don't do the saving. Of course, Jesus does the saving. But as the body of Christ, we are here to present the gospel in such a way that we find and present the gospel to those who are perishing. Well, today I'd like to, for us to focus on the first four verses of this, of this uh, passage, where it says that Jesus was going into Jericho, and, and as, he, as he went in, this wealthy tax collector, chief tax collector, wanted to see Jesus, and he climbed a tree so he could see Jesus, and let's just kind of stop there. Because I think what this tells us is that everybody wants to see Jesus. Listen, if you want to be effective as a proclaimer of the gospel, you've got to get this in your head. Everybody wants to see Jesus. Now, they may not know it, but everybody wants to see Jesus. Remember when before you knew Jesus, you wanted to see Jesus. You had thoughts. If that's real, I want to know. I want to know. If that's a real thing, if Jesus is real, I want to see him. I mean, just look at the way this rolls out. First of all, Zacchaeus, he wanted to see Jesus. Jesus entered Jericho. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Verse 3 says he wanted to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Now, who's this Zacchaeus guy? As a chief tax collector, he would have had all of the trappings of accomplishment and success, but he still wanted to see Jesus. The tax collectors worked on a kind of a commission. They were agents of the Roman government and collected taxes and were allowed to skim the taxes for themselves. And they had the Roman military to help them with the collection process. Jericho, in particular, was known for the export of something called balsam and was a very would have been a very lucrative thing to be a tax collector in Jericho, let alone the chief tax collector in Jericho. But he still wanted to see Jesus. As a chief tax collector, Zacchaeus would have had the authority of the Roman government to award contracts. So if there was a road to be built, Romans were famous for the roads. If there was an aqueduct to be dug, the Romans were famous for that. If there were people to be employed, Zacchaeus would have been the guy. Here he is, he has accomplishments, success, influence. But he still wanted to see who Jesus was. Because everybody wants to see Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Zacchaeus needed to see Jesus. This wasn't a whimsical curiosity that, I wonder what this Jesus is about. This was something that Zacchaeus had to do. How do we know that? Because he climbed a tree for crying out loud, right? He wasn't like, well, I hope I get a glimpse of the guy when he goes by. He says, I have to see this Jesus. I got to see him. And so he climbed a tree wasn't something he just wanted to do, it was something he had to do, because as a, as a tax collector, he would have been despised by his own countrymen. Why? Because he sold out to the Romans. So he would have been despised, he would have felt alone, he would have felt empty. He had to see Jesus. You know, there's something like this in every life. There's some version of this in every life. There is a loneliness. There's an emptiness in every life. So no matter whether the people that you want to lead to Jesus are acting like they want to see Jesus or not, they not only want to see Jesus, they need to see Jesus. Everybody needs to see Jesus. Our purpose as bearing witness to Jesus is to help them become aware of the forms of medication that they are using to anesthetize their true need for Jesus. We're just called to bear light in the darkness so they can see this. There is absolutely a universal need to see Jesus. How do I know that? Ask me. Because there's a universal condition called sin. The Bible says there is none righteous. No, not one. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if there's a universal condition called sin, then there is a universal need for Jesus Christ. Yes? Everybody needs to see Jesus. We have to believe this. We have to... If we want to be effective in being used by the Lord as part of his search and rescue of lost humanity, we have to know this, and we have to keep this in front of our minds, that everybody you know wants to see Jesus, and more importantly, everybody you know needs to see Jesus. Because remember the two main lies the devil uses in our culture to keep us from bearing witness from last week? Subjectivism and pluralism. Those two lies are meant to keep you thinking, well, you know, this is good for me. I can't be a judge of other people. Okay, don't judge other people. But let the word of God declare its truth that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let the word of God declare its truth that the wages of sin is death, but free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You may go, all four of you, go. Well done. I need to tell you a story about a guy named Joe. Uh, I was my church in Pennsylvania, lovely, wonderful, wonderful church. Five years of ministry there that just taught me so much about how to be a pastor. And uh, one night I got a call from, from from Joe, and he was at the bar with some of his buddies, which was not uncommon for Joe. And he said, hey, my buddies have some questions about Jesus. Can you come down? I said, sure. So I went down, and I talked to Joe and his buddies about Jesus at the bar. Another thing you should know about Joe is that there was one night that I got a call at home, middle of the night, from Joe's wife, and said, so Pastor Tom, Joe's in the basement. He's going to commit suicide. Please come. So, of course, I came because I was a pretty fresh pastor, and I still had my savior complex on, you know? Plus, we never got any training in seminary about what to do when somebody calls, something like that. So nobody called the police. Nobody called anybody else. But I show up with my pastor cape on. Where is he? It's in the basement. Joe, it's Pastor Tom. (laughs) I'm coming down. Okay. Joe's sitting on a flipped over five-gallon bucket, wearing a bathrobe, nothing else underneath. Not particularly well tied in the front. (laughs) The shotgun. His chin was resting on the muzzle of the shotgun. His thumb was on the trigger. There was also a pistol, forty five across his lap. And I just said, uh, started talking to Joe, what, what are we doing here? He was drunk, and he said, I'm just done. Just done with all this crap. So don't be done. I want to tell you about Jesus. I told him about Jesus, and he started to listen. And he got really agitated at one point. And he picked up the forty five and he stuck it in my face. And he said, let's both go see your Jesus. Well, maybe it wasn't such a good idea to come down here. (laughs) And uh, I said, no, we're not both going to go see our Jesus now. If you accept Christ into your life, we can see him together later. And... uh, he I remember he threw the pistol down and then I reached out with my hand and he gave me the shotgun. I prayed with him to receive Christ. So fast forward about three or four weeks. Hey Pastor Tom, some of my buddies have some question about Jesus. Can you come down to the bar? Sure. I remember talking to those guys for the longest time, and they had all kinds of questions. What about this, and what about that, and why would God, and I remember remember they just asked so many questions that I had no idea how to answer. And so my answer was always the same. I said, you know, I don't really know the answer to your question, but this one thing I know, I asked Jesus Christ into my life, and he has changed my life forever. And they said, well, what about you know, that's a really good question. And I don't know the answer. But this, I know that I asked Jesus Christ into my life. And my life has been changed forever. This went on for 45 minutes. And finally, I just said, I said, are you telling me, after my explanation of the gospel, that you don't want to go to heaven when you die? And I'll never forget, one of them just leaned across the table And he said, Here's my deal. He says, If what you have is real, I want it. I said, Okay, keep paying attention. Joe used to drag those guys half drunk to Bible study on Wednesday nights at the little church. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants to see Jesus. And we have a role in this mission of declaring Jesus to the world. Our role is to live our lives in such a way that the light of Jesus living in you is brighter than the darkness of the world. Here's what happened in that bar. It was a dark bar. The light of Jesus just shined. And he said, wow, if that's real, I want it. That's your job, beloved. In the search and rescue mission, your job is to shine the light of Jesus into your world, is to let the light of Jesus shine through you. That's your job. That's your role. So that people will see Jesus, because it's really not you they want to see, it's Jesus they want to see. Somebody in your world wants to see the Jesus in you. There's a part of your life, listen carefully to this part, there is a part of your life that shines brighter than the world. I think when we think about you know, being obedient in the efforts of, of proclaiming, bearing witness to the gospel, we get caught up in a lot of methodology and what will I say if they ask me this and what if I don't do it right? And listen, there's a part of your life that's shining brighter than the world. And that's the part that God will use to move people along. Somebody in your world wants to see the Jesus in you. And that's your role, is to help, just help somebody move along. Because the Bible says that man and God are separated by something called sin. That's the condition into which we are born. Humanity is born into a state of separation from God. The barrier is sin. Now here's the other piece of good news. God loves us and has provided clear opportunity for our rescue through the cross of Christ. True? The cross of Christ covers the sin. Are we done? We're not quite done, are we? We're not quite done because each person must make a personal and personal entry into this relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It is a personal matter. Yet to all who received him, my discipleship training 100 people should know this, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who received him. This is the process. This part of the process is called evangelism. When we're letting our light shine before people who have not yet come to the cross, this is called evangelism. And whether you're sharing the four spiritual laws or the Roman road or whatever you're doing, or not at all, when you let the light of Christ shine in through you, you are moving them toward the cross. Those guys didn't pray to receive Christ in the bar that night, but they moved toward the cross. Now, once somebody comes to Christ, the other side is called discipleship. So listen, we often think of discipleship as learning these nine things and learning to develop these things in your life, all of which is true. But you don't have to be a teacher to be a discipler. When you let the light of Christ shine in you around another believer, they are moved along in their walk, yes? And you're encouraged by that aspect of their life, that they're becoming a better, deeper disciple because of you. Jesus said, so let your light shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your God who's in heaven. Anybody tracking with me here? Acts chapter 2 says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord drew them in. If you read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, you see that there was this glorious light community, community of light. These believers who loved each other. These believers who couldn't get enough of each other. These believers who praised God. These believers who welcomed the move of the Holy Spirit among them signs and wonders. And because of this, the light, the church was shining more brightly than the darkness of the world. And so people were naturally attracted to it. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Please don't check out of this Search and Rescue Mission series because you don't want to be one of those guys who goes out and stands on the corner and yells at everybody. That's not what we're talking about. Now, if you are an evangelist, you need to get out on that corner and you need to proclaim the truth. But in reality, that's not most of us. But we're believers with gifting and anointing and light. I've seen it in you. You know, when you go back into the children's ministry, you're like a giant to those short people, you're like a giant. And when you talk about Jesus and a lesson that you just hurriedly studied and just learned yourself, and you go back in there, the ones who haven't made their way to Jesus yet are, are moving toward the cross. The ones that, who have, they're moving along in their walk because of that. Can you let your light shine before them? When you're part of our welcome ministry and don't stand there like a stinking post, but actually smile at somebody when they come in and let your light shine, you're moving some... You know, in every service, I would be certain that we have unbelievers here. I, would pr- I pray that we do. And when you stand out there as part of our welcome ministry with an authentic expression of the hospitality of Jesus Christ, you move them along toward the cross or you move a believer forward in their discipleship. Does this make sense? And you've all got something to give like that. The easiest thing for me to do in this regard is to offer to pray for somebody. This is so easy for me. A a total stranger. They don't know I'm a pastor. I, I, I try to prevent them from knowing that. But total strangers. It just seems like the easiest thing I can do is to move, toward, move the conversation toward, you know, I like to pray. Is there anything I could be praying for you about? And it's amazing the way God uses that to move people along. Now, my wife Karen, for example, when she goes to leads a group down to Good Works in Athens on a Friday night, or when she leads a group like she did yesterday morning to the free store, and when she serves with her hands, you should see the light of God on her. Who knows what I'm talking about? Who's seen it? You should see her in these third world countries. When I go on a mission trip, I start counting the hours of when I get home before I leave Columbus. It's not my thing. I'll do it. But it's not my thing. It's her thing. And the light of Jesus just shines through her when she does that. You see, I just use these as examples. You have a way. There is something about you. And so what I want to challenge you to do this morning is just ask the Lord, how will you use me? You know, how does my light shine? Remember last week, I asked you to ask God to bring somebody to mind for whom you would pray every day through this whole series. God gave me somebody. It surprised me who that was, who that is. And just pray for them. And I want you to continue to pray for them. Now, in this part of the service, as we get ready to close, I want you to ask God, what, what kind of Jesus light in me do you want to use to move them along? In other words, how does God want to use you in their life to make them aware of Jesus? Because everybody wants to see Jesus. They don't care about your religion they don't care about your church. They don't care about your cool, tall, bald guy. I can't believe I said that. They don't care about any of the stuff that you care about. But they do care about Jesus. If Jesus is real, they want to see him, and you can show him. So would you take some time this morning and just say, Lord, I have that person, and if you haven't asked for that person, And I'm praying for that person. And if you haven't, start. And now I just ask the Lord, how how can you use me? What, What is it about me that is so natural for me to do? It's not difficult. It's naturally supernatural for me to be that way. That you want to use to convey Jesus to someone. Just take a moment, please. Holy Spirit, reveal this to our hearts. Reveal this to the heart of every person. Holy Spirit, we pray that for us to be faithful and effective in the search and rescue that's so on your heart, that you would draw us into this now. Just show us now, in the name of Jesus. Show us how you can shine off of us, God, that thing that you've done in us that's become unnatural for us. It's a joy to us to do it. Come, Holy Spirit. Make us like that church in Acts chapter 2. Make us like them. So bright that people would be drawn just in the contrast to the darkness. They'd be drawn to you, God.